Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me slash discord. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Just smell wood smoke. Hear the clinking of pewter cups. Moonlight through a bottle glass window. And a familiar song fills a small little tavern. We begin, as these things often do, 
in a tavern, and music fills the air. To Anacreon in heaven, where he sat in full glee, <laughs> a few sons of harmony sent a petition that he there inspire and patron would be. And is this common drinking song floats through the air <laughs> with which there is no other cultural association <laughs> perhaps through the warped and bendy glass of the tavern off off through the bracken across the hills in the lapping waves of the atlantic ocean across which a king grows slowly madder day by day by day the homeland, the metropole that all of this land is currently ruptured and at war with. And on those waves, there is a ship secretly slipping into port and oars lap the waves as someone comes ashore for some reason. And it is now several days later. We're far away from that tavern. Perhaps one of you enjoyed a, a pint of something there days ago. But you are now tramping through the beautiful springtime forest of the Hudson Valley of New York. We're well outside of New York City, which is uh, currently, of course, under British control. Out here in the valley, the Continental Army seems to have this well in hand, but this is kind of like on the border of people's loyalties. And in any given town, there may be people that are still loyal to the old flag and the old king. And there are folks who are a little bit more sympathetic to the cause of patriotic liberty and no taxation without representation. The four of you fall perhaps into that latter category. And in fact, all of you have been approached by representatives of a certain General George Washington, because these battles do not only take place upon fields with smoky muskets and cannonades on the siege lines that surround Boston, but they also occur in the back streets of towns, the parlors of fine houses, darkened dens of stews and ale pots, in any given business, because there is a trade in secrets, in espionage, and in knowledge. And all of you have passed such secrets back and forth up the chain to aid the cause of liberty. So let's meet our uh, band here because they've been given a mission to find whoever that was that we just saw coming ashore on that ship in the dead of night. 
So why don't we start with John Smith? Yes, the simply named John Smith. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Definitely not a, an alias. <laughs> <laughs> Name's John Smith. No relation. Uh, I've been told that I'm a strikingly handsome man with tan skin from my days spent on the open ocean. <laughs> my blue eyes seem to reflect the very waters I sail, and uh, my long, wavy, golden blonde hair falls past my shoulders. <laughs> I often tie it back in a ponytail to keep the wind out of my face while working on the deck and looking across the sea. My chiseled jawline and strong cheekbones have garnered me quite a bit of attention. Of course, I wear my white linen shirt unbuttoned down to the fourth button. (laughs) Okay. So, so, I don't even want to introduce my character now. So picture this deviant art colonial hunk, his, <laughs> his clavicle and pectorals bulging through the linen of his shirt. Yes. You ply the waters, it seems. Among many things, you, you're a sailor. And uh, perhaps your, your knowledge of the comings and goings of the waters of ports of call is what has conjoined you to this particular group. Maybe mm. you are aware of this ship. Uh, so why don't you give me one of your very specialized sailing roles Ooh, and yes. we'll see what we know. We'll get our first little bit of information. Oh, not a very good role. There's a mirror nearby. You're a little distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to spend luck on this. I'm kind of a clueless guy. So, <laughs> I mean, there's like a revolution or something happening, right? I, my friends have told me about it anyway. Then what you know I, with a failed role is that, yeah, a ship was spotted. Mm. What we all just learned that a ship launched a tender boat off of it to bring uh, someone or something to shore. That's highly suspicious and might mean that there's um, information or people changing hands mm. out here. I just mutter to myself as I look at it. I don't think I've seen her before. Yeah, and that's all that makes it into the brain of the handsome, (laughs) handsome John Smith. (laughs) Perhaps uh, striding nearby in in our little party, there is a Mary Knox. Mercy Knox. Oh, sorry, Mercy Knox. Yes, a nice virtuous name. Mm. (laughs) And virtue is her primary concern. Mercy (laughs) Knox, you see a woman with brunette hair, neatly tied back in a bun. She's dressed also neatly, but not too neatly, not too showy, not too anything. In fact, it almost feels like Mercy has cultivated this average appearance and affect, as though she was trying to fly under the radar for some reason, which she often has to, as she has engaged in some less than above-board behavior. In fact, I would say that the reason that she has been able to pass secrets up and down is because she has access to them because of her side business of forging any and everything. (laughs) Oh, excellent. A forger. Mm. And as she walks next to John and hears him kind of mumbling to himself, she's just kind of rolling her eyes. What is this now? (laughs) Hello there. So I would think someone not only not only skilled at forging, but identifying forgeries, perhaps people down Washington's chain of command have asked you to forge what look like 
troop movement orders to be left and slipped to confuse enemy generals. So why don't you roll forging and we'll see if we know anything else. You know what? Maybe I will. <laughs> I rolled a one. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, wow. Great. <laughs> um, you have caught the spy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you got him. Uh, the end, guys. Have a, have a great yeah. one. <laughs> cool. Good job, y'all. GG. Uh, <laughs> so I think this tells me that you, uh, two things. One is a smashing, incredible success. The fact that John Smith knew that a ship landed, the ship would have to come to port somewhere. So maybe news got passed to you about that, and you have found what you know to be a uh, forged ship's manifest. Mm. The uh, Vulture is the name of the ship, and it ported in New York a day ago. But you know that this was not just a merchant vessel, that there was something going on with it. This, you believe, is the vessel that dropped off its mysterious cargo. And because that was such a smashing success, you know that on this, this manifest, it's, it's the contents of the ship that have been forged, but it's clear that the name on it is probably accurate. And that is uh, Captain Arthur Beckford. And because you smashed that forgery so well, I'm going to let you come up with, uh, and you don't have to answer this right away, what your cover story is for why the four of you are together. Okay, let me think about that as we meet our other folk. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever documents you have to support it, this will be believed by the people that you show these documents to. So you're saying I should make it as wild as possible? <laughs> you can, you can. <laughs> I'm excited. So let's move around as we move through the forest to uh, Silas Blackwood. Silas is perhaps an unlikely spy hunter compared to the others so far. He is this gangly, wary man in his early 40s with uh, wild graying hair and a wild beard. His clothes are ragged and he's got a, a straw hat that he wears habitually, even indoors. He has something of a dreamy manner about him. He's always looking off into space and seems to perhaps get the occasion insight uh, that defies explanation, or at least seems to believe that he's in contact sometimes with forces from outside himself. He every now and then dips into this little jar that he carries around with him with some kind of black paste in it, but the less said about that, the better. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> but as far as the skills that he can offer to this group, he is a man of the land. He's a farmer by profession, but he's a, a good tracker. He knows the land and the woods around here fairly well. He's competent with a musket, but I uh, wouldn't stake your life on it. And perhaps most importantly, he has a cart. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we uh, retcon that we're not so much walking as we are trundling along in this cart. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Nothing to pull the cart, but the cart. <laughs> Actually, I'm pulling the cart. <laughs> Great. <laughs> More of a rickshaw situation. <laughs> So we have two dreamy <laughs> characters in much different ways. 
why don't you give me a, whatever role you believe would be associated with that tracking that you mentioned or your, your land reading skills? Yeah, I could go for tracking if I'm looking for actual tracks or natural world if I'm looking for something that's out of place in the woodland. I think for now, just tracking. I have failed miserably. 69 <laughs> over 50. Nice. Okay, we're off to a smashing start. <laughs> I mean, this is a trail you're on. It's not as though you're, you're driving a cart through the dense forest. <laughs> hmm. You're on a path. And if this individual landed where they did and they're cutting inland, maybe moving kind of along the river through the valley, you'd be getting up into some of these small communities dating back to the earliest settlers, the earliest uh, English and Dutch, especially settlers. That's about all you'd know, seeing no tracks other than like the, the carved where, the, where wheels had carved furrows in the ground. But you know that one of these communities would probably be pretty likely if this person was going to get some sucker from civilization. And you know, because it would be common knowledge that up ahead of you, there's a dip in a, in a little basin valley. You know that there's a, a town in there called Siloa. Putting his back into uh, pulling the cart <laughs> <laughs> in lieu of a donkey, a mule, or a horse. Um, <laughs> that was the way it's being pulled by an ass. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Bang. God damn it. Uh, Chandler Bingham. All right. I was joking, but now I have to add strength because I, I'm definitely doing this. <laughs> Nobody told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> Looking back, could you be any heavier? <laughs> <laughs> the crowd goes wild. This is going to be insufferable, I can tell already. Oh, yes. I'm here for it. I'm done. That was actually all my friend's knowledge, that one thing I said. <laughs> yes, so I'm Chandler Bingham, a six-foot-tall, lean man, perfect for pulling a cart. I have amber waves of hair graying mm. at the temples, and I am deeply unattractive. Nice have nostrils that are far too large for my face and i have you can correct me on my pronunciation danny but ponzne glasses resting on the bridge of my nose and uh smartly dressed despite pulling the cart uh waistcoat <laughs> dress shirt trousers i'm a, a notable candle maker and i've been blessed with olfactory skills i have this keen sense of smell so very good at spotting hidden via this schnoz that is very prominent on my face and also good at tracking. So whenever Silas rolls a 69, maybe I can pick up the slack with my <laughs> sense of smell. <laughs> Go ahead and roll that smell skill. <laughs> All right. That's a 53, which is a regular success. Great. Snuff, snuff, snuff. Go the large. <laughs> <laughs> They're flaring, yeah, as I kind of take in the, the sense. Like a pig scenting truffles. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. Chandler Bingham's wide nostrils are, are truffling around in the, uh, in the undergrowth as he heaves and strains against his bridle, I guess. <laughs> huzzah. Yes, huzzah indeed, because you smell something on the, on the breeze. Why, it's salt pork, mm. seaweed, ship's biscuit. Someone has passed this way who was recently aboard a ship. <laughs> and everyone in the cart can see he's become kind of animalistic trying to track this down. Yes, uh, someone's been through here. A sailor, Captain Smith. 
Mm. No, I haven't been through here recently. Motherfucker. (laughs) 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 The crew is really gelling. (laughs) Thankfully, the intelligent nose of Chandler Bingham pulls you off on the right hand of a fork in this trail so that you don't go plunging off to some other part of random ass part of New York. You're now (laughs) uh, what you believe to be the trail of our mysterious man. So you're moving down, down into the beautiful tree-dense valley in which is Siloa. Evening is falling. The sun is, is painting the sky beautiful colors as you begin to notice signs of civilization, little farm fields, outbuildings, houses. And as you sweat through your linen shirt and waistcoat chandler as you (laughs) come to the end of pulling this cart maybe coming to rest in what is like the little center of a town in this in this valley you can see an obvious uh, church there's what looks like a smithy across a little open space every door is shut every window is latched it is silent as the grave look a smithy I believe they're all named after my family. <laughs> <laughs> Silas, I was under the impression that you would have uh, an animal uh, to pull the cart. <sighs> if we could just have a rest. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted, to be honest. Whew. Mercy. <clears throat> yes. Oh, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> <sighs> Mr. Bingham, you're... Wonderful nose has led us here. Will it provide any further information about the location of our quarry? Uh, it was a regular success, so doubtful. Um, okay. Mercy's nose starts bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most eye-drawing aspect? The church itself? The church is the, the second tallest building that you can see with its uh, prominent steeple. There's a stave out front with a bell hanging from it. Once you get out of this little area of of civilization, there are farm fields off to the east. And other than that, you are surrounded by dense, dense forest. Also, in the center of this plaza, this this open area, there is a uh, what looks to be a little well, a stone well. Oh, no. Well, let's see who's here, shall we? Uh, I'd like to ring the bell. You ring the bell. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, great. you said no, nobody's around, so I just want to make sure that we can chat with some of these townsfolk. Mercy's looking a different direction and just turns as Chandler is like reaching for this. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the spirit of espionage, I want to ring the bell. No. <laughs> Before that bell uh, has its first ring, everyone, I guess, but Chandler Bingham can make a spot hidden. No, not even close. (laughs) I rolled a 10 for an extreme success. Oh, wow. I got a regular success. Mercy Knox is on foyer. I think the extreme success maybe then uh, catches it because this person does not want to be seen. Just before you can get weight out of your mouth, Mercy Knox, (laughs) you see a toe-headed young girl of about eight years old just behind one of the buildings off to your east. And 
You just see half of her. She's peeking at you from around the corner. Night is falling and you can see her peeping at you. And then she runs around the corner. And that is when ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> oh, can I kind of pursue her a little bit? At least to kind of look around this, the edge of the building where she disappeared behind? Absolutely. You go back there, and when you come to the back of this uh, structure, it appears to be a home. You can hear noise inside, set off by the clanging of the bell. <sighs> Not the binging. <laughs> yes. <sighs> <laughs> but I don't see her. You don't see her. What you do see is a little parcel wrapped in a little piece of cloth. Just on the ground? Yeah. Definitely gonna pick that up. <laughs> Any like markings or like writing on it on the outside? When you pick it up, it seems to be a relatively freshly baked little piece of sweet bread. It looks like there's little bits of fruit embedded in it. And then scrawled on the on this little piece of cloth with ink in a child's hand, it says, For Dandy Jack. Uh great. Okay, well, I think that maybe the bell situation is a little more pressing at this moment, so I think she'll pocket the bread and head back to the group. As uh, Mercy emerges from the back of this building, other people are like, you're seeing like shutters open, a couple of doors like creak open and people are looking out. A tall, slender man with a prominent hawk-like nose is now walking around the back of the church, walking towards you, pulling a jacket on. He has a high collar and uh, very closely cropped hair where it looks like he hasn't had time to put on a wig. Mm. And he walks towards you. That's enough, stranger. Oh, yes. Good evening. Uh, We're not in the habit of ringing that bell unless it is the Sabbath. My apologies. It was a courtesy. You all can return to your homes. I rang out as a courtesy to announce our arrival. I didn't want us to uh, uh, take you by surprise. Well, you needn't ring out to announce the courtesy of your departure, sir. Fare you well. <laughs> I see. Well, uh, do you mind if we shelter here for the night? Now that he's close to you, you can see that his eyes look really sunken. There's big mm. dark circles under his eyes. He looks distracted. We can pay, sir. That a woman is speaking out of turn at this moment makes this man's head kind of like stiffen. <laughs> he does not make eye contact with you. You may keep your gold, miss. The virtue of Christian charity has been asked of us and that we shall provide. The fruit that the spirit bears is all the payment that we require. Where do you head? He's asking you, Mr. Bingham. I shouldn't speak for our captain. Uh, captain Smith? Mm, yes. Where are we heading? Well, uh, frankly, I'm uh, feeling a bit gut-founded. I, I could use a bite, a nibble, perhaps something to drink. I, I believe he wanted to know uh, where we are heading. Oh, where we're heading? Yes. Um... We were following your nose, right? Ah, uh, yeah. He's <laughs> kind of like uncomfortably writhing after he says that. No, we were uh, heading somewhere 
with a purpose, Captain Smith. Right. Um, I might have to defer to uh, <laughs> to Mercy again here. We must do things with a purpose for an idleness. In idleness, we find purposes thrust upon us. Yes? I'm sorry, Ross. I'm sorry, but can I smell this man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the way you said that, I thought there was a technical difficulty. <laughs> oh, there is. <laughs> and his name is Cup. I'm so glad you just want to smell this man. <laughs> Great. Yes, please smell this man. <laughs> yes, thank you. Depending on the level of success will be how creepy he finds you huffing him. <laughs> yes, that, that's perfectly fair. God, to fail this, please. Oh my God. E oh yes. I rolled a fucking 100. <laughs> and I'm 75, so the, the only way I can fumble. Roll 20 is just on point sometimes. Wow. <laughs> he immediately notices your flaring nostrils tugging at the air around him. Mm. He withdraws in confusion <laughs> and what you smell is not him but rather a gust of air moving in from the west mm. and it immediately strikes you with a wave of nausea oh no it smells like a butcher shop it smells like the refuse of a butcher shop the iron of blood the sickly tang of awful fills your nostrils and you have to fight to keep your gorge from rising. With your permission, Ross, on the hundred, can I vomit on him? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he's trying to like swallow it back, but he can't do it. So he's going to puke on this guy. <laughs> Ministers of grace, preserve us, says this man as he withdraws the spatter of vomit on his jacket now. I think Mercy has, a seeing his reaction to her, his, she's adopted kind of like the deferential demeanor of like a serving girl. And she'll retrieve some sort of like cloth from a bag, I don't know, and go up to him and without, a, sir, may I uh, like offer to kind of clean up the mess that Mr. Bingham has made? <laughs> I think that's quite enough from you interlopers. You best be off. I'm so sorry. That doesn't happen more than once or twice a day. Thought I caught a whiff of uh, lavender, which is just uh, quite offensive. I do apologize on behalf of all of us. Uh, we've had a long day uh, on the road, and as I mentioned, we're quite famished. So do forgive us, please. Um, I beseech you and, and the Lord to welcome us into your town, actually, and just let us take rest for the night. We'll be gone in the morrow. Yes, good sir. If we could impose upon your Christian charity, you have to bear in mind that as trying as this man's presence may be for you, we travel with him daily. And travel by him if the harness he wears is any indication. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sleep in the livery. <laughs> this sounds like you're trying to charm him or... Yes, I am. Persuade him. So, whichever of you would like to do that, or you may assist Silas. I've got a fat stacks of charm. <laughs> <laughs> Drop some fat stacks. That's a hard success. I could spend three luck and make it extreme. Why don't I? 
<laughs> Do it. Expend that valuable resource. <laughs> this man who was recoiling, horrified, seeing Mercy daub at him, and also this just this, this horrible tableau is suddenly lost in the eyes of John Smith for a moment. <laughs> who wouldn't be? <laughs> While I'm dabbing him, can I kind of also be patting him down a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure. Yes. I'd like to know what he's got in his pockets, if possible. Please roll 100. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If I get caught, I'm going to puke on him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go for it. It's a stand by me situation. (laughs) Sleight of hand, maybe? Sleight of hand sounds like a great move. Mm Mm-hmm. That is a regular success, 48 under 50. While you're daubing, your hand goes into his pocket. There's a little piece of paper in there you can pluck out if you want. I mean, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Great, you've got that. And the charm of John Smith has swayed him for the moment. He's like, well, the Lord says that which we do to the least of our brothers, that which we do also to you. That's why we travel with Mr. Bingham. I cannot imagine a brother more... More lesser than the unfortunate soul mm-hmm. that you have tethered to your cart here. <laughs> He's going to wipe his mouth like with the back of his hand and then say, uh, Chandler Bingham, nice to make your acquaintance and reach out for a, a handshake. Silas, I think at this stage, will just reach out and just very gently take you by the wrist and guide that hand back down. <laughs> Mr. Bingham, outbursts like the one you have just displayed to my eye are often the sign of great intemperance. I urge you to set aside devil rum and whatever else addles your brain and makes loose your spirit and keeps you from from keeping down the nourishing repast that the Lord provideth to you day by day. If you wish to spend the evening with us for but a night, then we shall provide for you, he nods to you, John Smith. There's room with Mr. Ransom Bonney. And now you may notice behind you, coming out of the smithy, there's a sturdily built man. That'll be me, sir. Right this way, the lot of you. Thank you kindly. Yes, thank you. I, I shouldn't have done so much grazing on the way here. <laughs> You're fine. He's quite chuffy. <laughs> I'll see to him, Reverend Hasselrig, says Ransom Bonnie, the blacksmith. As Reverend Hasselrig adjusts his collar and gets the last bit of vomitus from off his jacket, he <laughs> turns on his heel and walks back toward the chapel. I think that went well. <laughs> sure. Nice work, Captain Smith. Thank you. Honestly, I really did want to eat. <laughs> and speaking of that, night has now fallen and you're in the home of Mr. Ransom Bonnie, which adjoins the smith. Ransom Bonnie is the blacksmith. Mm. Well, well, well. <laughs> there's maybe not a bed, but there's hay bales for you to conk out on. Naturally, I'll, I'll give up my bed for the lady, he says, doffing his cap. No need, sir. I, I prefer to stay with my fellows. As you wish. He's got a fire roaring. There's a pottage in the pot. He's uh, carving rashers of bacon and and bread and and slinging them out and he is the picture of homespun hospitality. Mr. Bonney, I wonder if you might be able to answer a question of mine. I saw a young girl earlier. I don't know if I got a description for her, Ross, but can I like just basically describe 
what I saw. I don't know how many of you have seen American artwork from around this time, like the 1700s. It all has this weird quality where everyone's eyes are too big. Look it up sometime, <laughs> like folk mm. art of early America. And she looks like that. Like there's an uncanny bigness to her eyes. And you're noticing that with a lot of these people, that their eyes look odd. Mm. And Ransom Bonnie is this way too. There's like big circles under his eyes. Oh, uh, well, I suppose that'll be um, little Constance Freeling. Or could be Maggie Voorhees. Uh-oh. Only that she dropped something that I would love to return to her. Oh, well. I suppose perhaps you could leave it with me or give it to her on the morrow. I would love to do the latter, if you could tell me where either of these two girls lives. Ms. Voorhees would be living in that, uh, in that place that she came out of. I'm just leaving it on her own back step. He's drawing off a clay pipe. Hmm. Have we heard of Dandy Jack? Is that a, a thing that we know about? No, you have not. Uh, you must forgive Reverend Hasselrig. It's been uh, sudden distempers in the town. Uh. Has something happened? He's kind of gazing into the fire and looking with reluctance at you. Uh... Yes, I dare say something's happened. In fact, uh, the description of that girl, it would have to be Maggie Voorhees or, or little Constance Freeling. Because uh, Hattie Whitlock, Hattie Whitlock is gone. Disappeared. How long ago? Night afore last. And that's not all, sir. Oh, that's not all. Strange doings in the fields. Master uh, Goodman Freeling's goats. A bad tableau. Written the bloodiest colored ink. You'd not want to see it. The Reverend's right. You should be off in the morning. I saw it through my nose's eye already, I think. <laughs> Excuse me, sir? Uh, ignore him. Ignore him. <laughs> it seems as though relaying this information is weighing heavy on you. Is there... Something that you suspect is at the root of these occurrences? Oh, there's something Reverend Hasselrig suspects, though I, uh, I dare say I hope it's not true. But, why, even now, he's got Winnet Wilmot locked up under the church. Oh. What for? Well, for Hexcraft, sir. Hexcraft? You're talking about witches? Uh, I suppose you'll laugh at homespun ways, coming from cosmopolitan and freebooting places such as uh, sailing folks like yourself see as you go about the world, but he says he sees the evidence, and we've had call to suspect this sort of thing before. What sort of evidence? The, the evidence will be gathered in, in time. I see. Suspicion followed by evidence, then. Oh, of course. There'll be no pressings or hangings without evidence. Mm -hmm. Save the, the evidence that pressings provide. Right. I'm from Boston. I'm sure you've heard of Salem and the, the witch trials. A lot of accusation back then. And always the evidence was 
gathered after they were dead. So, you know, you should probably make your decisions wisely. We'll make our decisions governed by the best counsel of our, of our reverend and, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, best of luck to, uh, Mr. Wilmot, then. If the reverend's making any decisions. That man. I promise you, sir, there's something not right. What's happened? All them beasts, all them beasts in the pen, rent asunder, their skins and horns and eyes gone. All that's left are the innards, the girl fetched up, gone to sleep in her bed, says her mother and good father, and then disappeared, and many other distempers and maladies, the like of which are harder to say. But uh, I'll say again, and I do not mean to press on you, Miss Knox, you feel free to take my bed, for I do not think I shall sleep a nights. Your hospitality is much appreciated, but I think that we have some matters to discuss, especially if we can render any assistance to this town, as you have sheltered us for this night. Any assistance that you have to offer, we'd be more than happy to, to receive, but I, it may not be worth the measure of the doing, I, I tell you, to, to, to leave this town to its own affair. You said, I think, that this has happened before, or you've had cause to have a similar suspicion of Hexcraft? Back in the time of our great-grandfathers, the old gaffers, the old, the old weavers will still tell tales of it. Blights in the fields. Folk going missing. Just at the mention of blights in the fields, Silas's eyes just light up for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be lighting a hand of glory candle during the discussion. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bonnie, I understand that's quite gruesome and I, I'd be deeply troubled as you are, but what makes you so certain it was Mr. Wilmot or... What cause have you to suspect him? I mean, this doesn't seem like something an average man would be capable of. Uh, you shall think me a, a foolish homespun, but they've seen her in their dreams. And more than that, the Reverend says we know not all her comings and goings. She keeps to herself mostly anyways. House near to the verge of the forest. And? Well, as I say... We'll get what evidence that pressings can provide and see that we're no more bedeviled by uh, familiars and slayings and disappearances. One girl going astray is too many, and, and I fear that if things go like they did afore, there shall be more. Well, fear not, good sir. I've brought good fortune to your home. And he gestures to the candle. <laughs> It's this, like, gnarled hand, this mangled hand that he, he molded after a hanged criminal hand that he obtained. You're giving this guy, like, a hand of glory candle? Yes, exactly. I've lit it, actually. I've just kind of set it on a crate and lit the candle. All, all five fingers are lit. If I see his reaction, like, wide-eyed, I'll just say, it's, it's, good, it's good luck, sir. It's good luck. It's definite wide-eyed. <laughs> Because even though this this fellow is hospitable, he is a pious fellow. Mm. <laughs> and this little little totemic thing is like giving him the creeps. <laughs> Not just him. <laughs> yeah. Let's say this is the first time the other three have seen this as well. Uh, 
Mr. Bingham, I think that you might be distressing our host. Did you not hear the talks of hexes? Well, that's what... A hand candle? <laughs> Mr. Bingham. Well, yes. What is it they say where there's envy and strife? Every evil works, so we need good charms, candles like this to ward off anything that uh, may be unwelcome. <laughs> I believe that the Lord will ward off unwelcome things if our faith is strong enough. I mean, just like daggers at Bayhead Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> While everyone else is discussing this, Silas has just gone over, picked up the candle, blown it out, and thrown it in the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard! That hand you picked up along our journey, uh, I'm glad you've gotten rid of it. Uh, it's no sense keeping such a disgusting, unholy thing, <laughs> Mr. Bigham. Yes, especially because you will not be making more. He slides the mold back into his satchel as Mercy says that. Yes, <laughs> of course. He has no idea what's happening. He misses every social cue, but he's going to try to play along. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to do in your conversation here or, you, uh, or over the course of this evening? Oh, what's your favorite marine animal? I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Mr. Bonnie, uh, you mentioned uh, a blight in the fields. Yes, sir. The Freeling's fields, those were abut the wood. Just in the past days, they seem to begin to wither. Mold growing on them. Mm. A chill in the air, unnatural for spring. The blight in the fields. I. This is a subject of some interest to me. You see, the blight in the fields, it can be a wondrous thing. It can lead to visions and ecstasies. It can lead to, oh, strange realizations. But it can also lead in some cases to perhaps uh, suspicions and, uh, well... Uh, perhaps even accusations of witchcraft. I think perhaps um, we should take a look at this, this blight and just make sure that what is happening in this town is not something more natural than we might think. As you wish, Mr. Blackwood. All you'd have to do is go onto the Freeling's land and perhaps you could see, but I... Uh... I must confess, I fail to see the the connection between a a blight on the on the corn and in, in, in visions, save that they may have their their common source from some diabolic origin. I'm the weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Are there woods kind of surrounding this town? That's right. Then I think Mercy will ask, Mister Bonnie, the Freeling's estate, their fields. You said they're up against the woods, but which part of the town, if we were to go look at them? Oh, of course. Down the valley, you'd see there, their house is at the top of that slope. And then, as it slopes down, there you see it, as the valley comes to its hollow, there's where the, uh, the forest is the thickest, and that is where the blight is beginning to creep. Is that to the south of the town? Well, that'd be to the west. Then I think come the morning... We should go and take a look at this field. If it is just a simple matter of blight, then maybe we can put these people's 
minds to rest. And uh, Mr. Bonnie, your favorite marine animal? <laughs> oh, yes, of course. I, I've neglected your question, Mr. Smith. Um, I suppose I, I doubted myself, for I wanted a question worthy of one as, as great as yourself. Thank you. I, you don't need to be so kind, but... I'm a simple man. A wriggling trout that come up from the stream bakes up right nice. <laughs> right. Very good. Thank you. I've not traveled widely. Is it true that there's a critter out there in the in the water what's got arms like a spider? Oh, that is true. I've seen it myself, actually. The Kraken, yes. Sunk, <laughs> sunk many a ship, but not Poseidon's Rock. That's my ship. Oh, will wonders never cease. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content, and special programming, please join our Wolf Pack at patreon.com slash Slayed, or subscribe to Ain't Slayed Nobody Plus at Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber. See our show notes for full credits, and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers. Thank you, and good luck out there.